In 2021, Rose Libin left her little suburb from Atlanta, Georgia, to go to her parents' company, his, her country, and try to integrate into their country. She joined the Israeli Defense Forces. And then a year later, in 2022, she was recruited into the border police. 36 days ago, from what we understand, Rose was involved in defending her little village from an attack. Six days ago, Rose was killed by someone who believed that killing her would defeat all her enemies. That subsequent attacker was killed by police who chased her down, chased him down. Rose was 20 years old. Her attacker was 16 years old. Both died outside the walls of Jerusalem. There's a fable that was told about a reporter who wanted to figure out what's going on in Jerusalem. Why is it always so strange and violent and weird? And so she heard about a man who went to the wall and prayed every day, twice a day. And somehow through her newspaper, she arranged to be able to go in and have and stay with that family. And she would sit with the family and the family members would talk to her. And this old man who didn't speak her language would knock on her door every morning. And when she answered, he with a large smile would say the only two words he knew in English. Let's go. And she would follow him through the old city, and while he prayed at the wall, she would stand back a piece. And she would get anyone that passed by, get their stories, and hear all this great thing, send that back home, and they were just enamored by all the real-life stories she got. And after he was done praying, he'd come to her again and say, let's go. They'd go home for lunch, and the pattern would repeat in the evening again. After 29 days, she had a ton of information about Jerusalem, but no information about this particular old man. And so as they sat at lunch, she talked to the wife, who she had grown fond with, and said, can you ask him some questions and have him answer me? And she said, sure, I'll, I'll try. And as she spoke to him, she said, can you tell me, sir, how long have you been praying at the wall? And the wife translated. He spoke with a smile, and the wife translated back. He's been praying for about 50 years. Tell me, sir, what do you pray for? The wife would translate with a smile, he'd answer. He said, I pray for peace. I pray for peace for my children, peace for my community, and that there will be peace on earth. The reporter kept going and said to him, sir, how do you feel after praying for 50 years in God's city at God's wall? What do you feel like? The old man smiled and the wife translated and said, he feels like he's praying to a wall. The reporter said, I, I don't get it. Why would you keep praying if you just feel like for 50 years you've been praying to a wall? The wife spoke to the husband who laughed and shared an answer. The wife laughed and with kind eyes turned to the reporter and said, because, my dear, he knows who built the wall. And then the old man looked at the young lady and smiled and said, let's go. It's dangerous to turn on your phone or your TV nowadays. You will see violence and hatred and anger, and it's easy to pour into your own house. You'll feel anxiety about things that you can't control. And so today we want to look at a passage of Scripture in Psalm 122 that is someone like the old man that's encouraging us to go and pray first. And it's strange because it's not what we have ever been taught to do. 
unless it's the night before a test in school or two seconds before the test. We've never been taught to pray it forward. We just thought, go solve it out. And then when you get in a hole, ask God for help. Ask God to bless your mess. And yet, this psalm team seems to speak to things that are important if we're not going to be the most stressed out people in the world. And so we'd encourage you to stand with us as we read together Psalm 122. You'll see it on the screens. If you have your own Bible, it is always great to bring your own Bible to church because you can write in it and put notes in it. But if not, we'll always have this on the screen and there'll always be one in the pew in front of you. Let me read this to us. The word of God. I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. There thrones of judgment were set, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For my brothers and companions' sake, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord, our God, I will seek your good. Let's pray together. Father, help us to figure this out. Why people who are enamored with prayer would encourage us to do the same. Why they would smile at us and encourage us to simply go and do likewise. Bless us as we open up your word that would help us in all that you've called us to do. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. You may have a seat. You may want to keep that out if you're working with that. If you have your phone or your iPad, you can highlight things and kind of walk through this because we want to walk through this process. By the way, if you haven't noticed, Halloween is over. It's done. Uh, we've now skipped Thanksgiving and we're going to Christmas. And the reason that is, there's a really good reason for that because what that does is set you up with things you've known since childhood. Uh, you, you have this sense of, of kind of things that are repeatable over and over again. And you know, by the way, you know, you don't have to do much work. You know what a Thanksgiving meal should look like. Just imagine it right in your mind right now. What's the perfect meal? And you know what Christmas morning should look like. We've seen it on TV and we see it in advertisements and the lights are all shining bright. The problem is, is January. January has been proven to be the, the, the month most likely when people either enter rehab, begin process of depression, or start their divorce. Because for two weeks, sorry, two months, eight weeks, what happens is the world feeds you short-term solutions for long-term problems. Don't worry about being depressed, just turn on that radio. How can you be sad when you hear, have a holly jolly Christmas, even if it's not Thanksgiving yet? Don't worry, everything will work out. Just get the right people in your house, cook at the right time, and you'll have an amazing meal. Martha Stewart would love the meal that you're going to prepare. It could never go wrong. Don't worry, these next two months will be easy and stress-free, said no one who's had to put together a toy for their child on Christmas Eve. Let's look at Psalm 22 together and figure out what God's saying. The, the first thing that the psalmist really points to is, is it points immediately to the struggle with identity. It's a challenge you, to your identity. Where do you fill your heart and where do you plant your feet in a world that offers great short-term substitutes? Great short-term substitutes. We have a couple of kids in our student ministry that are athletes, and they're learning not to eat the sugary drinks. They're coming in and saying, do you have any water or fruit? 
because they're learning that they'll just crash right afterwards and lose all the work they had just done. They're learning that as young people, and that may continue into the rest of their life. But you can't eat a whole cake and then go run a marathon. You can, but it's going to be really messy. And this psalm points to two things. Where do you find joy and where do you plant your feet? I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. If I was to act all pastoral and call you in the middle of the work week, a Tuesday afternoon at 2 p.m. and said, hey, I got great news. And you'd say, what? Hey, we're going to church in a half hour. What would be your emotional response? Hopefully, it'd be joy, but people are weird. There's a whole bunch of reasons why people come to church. I go to church because my mom made me. I go to church because my kid's singing. I am go to church because uh, I, I actually woke up early this morning. I go to church because my grandma would beat me if I didn't. I go to church because hopefully if I go to church, God will fix all the stuff that I did all week that made, that's the opposite of church. This author is saying, when I heard that I could go to the house of the Lord, there was joy in me. often bump into Christians. We bumped into one in our ministry in Daytona Beach. I said, hey, what's life like? Non-Christians just ask them how it's going. What do you do on Sunday morning? They asked me if I could come to something. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I have to work. Where do you work? I work at a nonprofit. Oh, really? What do you do? I just help people. Well, what kind of nonprofit works on Sunday morning? It's like a certain group that works on Sunday morning. Is it? Okay, I work at a church. I'm a pastor. I said, do you, do you ever go to church? Oh, no. I go to the beach and I listen to John Tesh. He just tells me wonderful things. The reason that is, is because oftentimes we come into a place like this and we find more joy at the beach listening to John Tesh tell us wonderful but now short-term things than we find joyful people in church. You sometimes walk into church and you go, oh my gosh, I didn't know there was a funeral this morning. These are the worst people in the world. What are they suffering from? There should be a solution to that. I hope they talk about that. This person found joy coming into church, not wait. Secondly, their identity was planted as soon as they walked into a place where God was working. Our feet have been standing within your gates, Jerusalem. Not outside the city where God was working. They were excited not only to go to the house of the Lord, but once they got inside the building where God was working, they were excited. You probably had that some point in your life. I hope you have. I hope you've had a ministry that you couldn't wait to step into the building because you knew ordinary people would send 500 gifts across the world and that may not happen at your job where the gift exchange is an old tie they got last year and some candy that's five years old. That hopefully you're part of an organization that does joy on a different level, and you are excited to plant your identity in a place that does that. That's what church should be. My security's not in the code on my door. It's not when I get home and my feet are in my chair and the cushion's there or the carpet. My security's not at the gun on my back. Or the alarm on my car. My security is found in the Lord Adonai, King of heaven and earth, who reigns eternally, and he decides that I am safe within his hand, and no one can tear him away from me. The psalmist had a whole different identity. He could care less about jingle bells. So the question comes to us, even in these first two verses, where have you lost your joy? It is hard not to be hard nowadays. 
everyone is telling you that the world is out of control and God's not in it. And you chase the lies. Everyone is telling you that people are just here to rip you off and God can never fix that. And you chase the lies. Where the word of God declares, I'm active and living. I am that I am. In ages past and ages future, I am still God and lives are changing. Do you have a substitute security that makes you feel safer than your relationship with God? Joy and safety can be found in your relationship with God. Where's your identity? The second one's not as fun because it's all about us not having to control. The second part of this psalm is all about God's authority. I don't know if you live with another human but if you do, once in a while, your authority is challenged. I'm pretty much an amazing husband, I think. And yet occasionally I will find a trash bag sitting out saying, hey, you should take the trash out. I'm pretty all-wise and all-knowing. I don't know where the trash goes out, and I'm going to take it out now. <laughs> it, it, is, it is hard to live with people, work with people. Those of you that are parents raise people. Those of you that are grandparents raise people who you've already raised. It is difficult as soon as you bump into someone else, there's a level of authority that you have to deal with. And by the way, what, what happens best in a marriage is when we submit to one another and we go, oh, okay, this is how this works. Okay, you lead there, I'll lead there. That's Ephesians model. But there's once in a while where God says, I don't care about your opinion. This is my sovereign choice. And this is one of them. Jerusalem built as a city that's bound firmly together where the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, as was decreed at Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. There the thrones for judgment were set. The thrones of the house of David. God will pick things, and you don't get a vote. So as we walk through these verses, I want to share first with you this idea of keystone ideas in your life. You may not know what a keystone is, because maybe you don't build a bridge from scratch, but if you were to build a causeway or a bridge from scratch, we do this much better with engineering, but for a long, long time, you build it by using a keystone. You take two different things, whether two sides of a river or two walls that you need to walk underneath, and you would join them together because you'd match these stones together that would basically fall together and put all their weight on the keystone. And of all those stones on the side, they're pretty important. But the most important thing was the keystone. Because all the pressure is on there. And if the keystone fails, everything else fails. If that keystone falls, all the other stones fall. We have different words for that in English. We don't really use keystone that much. We call them critical issues in our life. Sometimes we call them ordinal issues. First, second, third, this is the first thing I have to do. It doesn't matter how pretty my house is. If I don't pay the bills, that's first. Because then it becomes not my house. We'll talk about that later because there are people that are ordained to do certain things. And there are stuff in your life that God calls consecrated. Sometimes it's sacred. But if that keystone falls, everything else falls. Let me give you another example about this. For some reason, God, not asking your opinion, said that man and woman should become, come together and they should be man and wife and they should leave their family and the two shall become one. 
He calls it marriage. And everybody probably has a messy history of marriage in their life. But I'm going to tell you right now, when your marriage fails, other things fail. Are you praying for your marriage? They're just assuming it's going to go great. We've seen over the last 36 days that when something goes wrong in Jerusalem and Israel, everybody else gets involved. We just dropped bombs in Iran last week to make sure those weren't used on the northern side of Israel. We have protests happening in America. You don't get a vote. You don't get decision. For whatever reason, God said, I'm going to choose these people and this place as keystone. If they fail, other things will fail. And it is humbling when God picks the keystone and you don't get a vote. Some reason God has chosen places like this, a church, to multiply the gospel. And I can tell you, I've been at places where the church fails and the community suffers. Churches can be keystones for their community. Another way is out of all the people that could possibly work at a place, God will call people up and say, hey, I want to pick you to be the pastor. And you would know from all the newspapers and all the TV shows that when a pastor fails, it's not his faith that fails. It's everybody who followed him. There are keystones that need to be prayed for. Not thought about, not critiqued, but prayed for. And so as we go back to that verse we just looked at, as we look at those couple verses, you can see in that verse where he's pointing out certain things that need to be prayed for. And he starts by saying, pray, pray for peace in Jerusalem. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. You as a person can write a prayer list down and think of places where God could be moving and be praying for them. And some of those places don't have to be spiritual. They are here, but they are also all over this campus. God is moving in Choices Pregnancy Center. God is moving in Caring Hands. God is moving in our gym. We just had a random kid last Friday night show up and said, I don't know much about Jesus, but I heard great things about your church, so I wanted to show up. God is also moving in your office at your job. Are you praying for it? God is also moving in the four corners of your house. Are you praying for that? Or are you just assuming it's all going to go well? The last 36 days have shown us things don't always go well. Let's go. Let's go. Let's be people that pray for our marriages, pray for our communities, pray for our church, pray for our pastor, pray for our jobs. We pray for places where God works. The next verse says, that's where the tribes of Israel go up. The tribes of Israel go up as appointed by God to give thanks to God. Here, here's the thing. This is my chosen cup. When I, <laughs> I can't look at my wife, she's laughing. Uh, <laughs> this is my chosen cup. When I came down to you without my wife, as she stayed up in that dreaded place up north, and I spent a month away from her, I brought clothing, mostly black, some running clothes, and I brought this cup. Of the disgusting habits I picked up from my father, this is one of them. It stays in my fridge. I pour a drink into it. I drink from it. And yay, life is good. I do not wash it. 
for thou shalt not wash the cup. I place it back in the fridge. And the next day, when I drink something possibly different, I pour it into this said cup. I'm being really vulnerable with you now, okay? And I drink from it. Thou shalt not wash the cup. Thou shalt put it back in the fridge. Thou might rinse it, but thou shalt not wash it. This cup has done nothing to deserve being chosen. It is, in fact, very ugly, and it is from south of the border. (laughs) Do do you believe that God's working in you because you're just a special cup? No, Scripture says pray for Jerusalem where God might work and pray that people at the end of the day would not say we did a great job, but the tribes, the nation of Israel, have been in order to go up there and give thanks to God and God alone. Go ahead, try it. Try to have success put in your name. Jesus thinks he's funny. He will work it around so he gets the praise. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Are you praying for places where you work? Man, that drive to work doesn't have to be the drive where you're complaining about everything. It can be the place where you're driving saying, Lord, I'm praying ahead for my job today. I'm praying for the people I bump into. I'm praying for the people who I don't like who I work with. I'm praying for that place because I didn't deserve to be picked and I'm not beautiful and you're working in me. Finally, that section ends by saying this. I pray for this kind of space where you would work because you get the final vote, you get the final say. Where the thrones of judgment were set and where the kingdom of David was set. There's so many times when we have to back away and say, not my will be done, but your will be done. Not my calendar, Lord, but your calendar. Does your Christmas have to be perfect for God to do a movement in your family this year? Or can it be messy and ugly and God still move? Because he's the only one that does the moving. Your identity God's authority. And the last part of this psalm has to do with this sense of humility. Like, why, why do this? Why do this? Pray for the peace of the Jerusalem. May they be secure with who love you. Pray for peace within your walls and security within your towers. For my brothers and companions, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. There is Richard, Richard Hawkins had this great kind of book about why God doesn't matter. <laughs> and he has a series of these great atheists. And one of those series was talking about how genes matter more than you do. And what's meant to be an acclamation of the body of God about how your genes fill in the place of God has really turned, as it's gotten older, into this kind of whole idea of the things that we believe, original sin. He says this, he says, they're within you and your success is based only on their survival. Try and be kind and altruistic. They're called genes and all of us are born 
being greedy. Seems a little bit like we say everybody's born being sinful. Thanks, atheists, for helping us out. High five. Listen, until you get to the reality that you might not be the shining star and that maybe Jesus is, you're missing what the tribes of Israel would do. They would go up to Jerusalem and they would thank God and say, thank God. Have you ever had those moments where you got through something? You're like, oh, thank God. Thank God I survived that. Thank God I, God led me through that. That's the essence of believership, is that we constantly point towards God. Pray for the peace in those places. Pray for peace in your home, in your neighborhood, where God might work. The second says this in verse 6, May they be secure who love you. There are times when you need to make a list. You don't know what to pray for? Pray for other Christians who are giving up because the world's so hard. Don't pray for yourself. Make a list of believers who are serving and you know are crunched. Say, I'm going to pray for the people that love you, that they don't give up the good fight. Verse 7, there's sometimes where you pray for security and peace within the walls that you're in charge of. <laughs> it's okay to lay your checkbook down and pray for God to bless your finances. To close and lock your door and say, God, I pray you bring us through the night of sleep. It's okay to pray for God's peace. I walk around late at night all the time praying for this place because I happen to live near it. So as I'm walking past, past an event, I just pray for the church as I'm walking by. It's okay to say I'm real stressed out and I'm going to spaz in a second. It's two weeks before Christmas, Lord. I, I just need your strength. I just want peace within these walls. I just need peace within these walls. Verse 8 is critical, though. It, as you become the minority as people of faith, you had better figure out who's a believer and who's not around you because your ministry to them are different. We do a lot of ministries here that have the appearance of good church stuff, but we can, in the middle of Awana, in the middle of youth, in the middle of a Bible study, tell who's just there and it's just bouncing off them. We could tell who a believer is and we pray for them differently. We can give the same people the scripture and some people go, oh, that's really funny. And other people go, oh my gosh, that applies to me. Oh, that's wisdom. Oh, that's Jesus. They're two different things. And it says, I pray for my brothers. So are you praying for people that you know know the Lord? Lord, I pray you encourage them. I pray you bring to their mind things of Christ. I pray you keep them holy in a generation that never will be. And then are you around enough companions who don't know Jesus that you're praying for them? Because sometimes, by the way, we only hang out with the brothers and sisters. We don't want to bump into those people. There might be some salvation there. I might actually have to serve. Over here, I'm just told everything's all right. Pray for the brothers. Pray for their companions. Man, I have people I'm praying for right now, praying, God, they don't need to be fixed. They don't need to stop smoking. They don't need to stop swearing. They don't need to stop doing, having an affair. They need Jesus is what they need. And everything else will follow. Go ahead, Lord. Convict them of who you are. Just like I pray for my brothers and sisters to convict them of their call, I pray for my companions who don't know Jesus in the same way. May there be peace, not around you, but within you. 
For my brothers and companions, I say, peace be within you. Would Christmas matter if you don't have the right presents? Would you still be able to be thankful on Thanksgiving if you were just eating Chinese buffet or pizza? Or does the object change your affect? Verse 9 is this last calling. For the sake of the house of the of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. Listen, as the youth team comes back up and we close in worship, there's probably some things in your life that you're struggling with because you've been trying to work it out for your sake. And we want to encourage you to, to go into prayer. I'd encourage you just to, as you, you know, again, at the end of the service, if you want to, grab a box, takes it out to the big trailer out there, put it in there, and then walk down and see what a prayer room is. The people who first introduced me to Jesus, they had a prayer closet, and they were praying for people in Ukarumpa, Papua New Guinea. I didn't know where that was, where that existed, but they knew them by name, and I couldn't hang my jacket in the closet. I went to hang my jacket in the closet, and there's some weird stuff in there. I didn't know if they were in a cult. I didn't know what was happening. And I said, what are you doing? And they said, we love them so much, we're praying for them for their good. I went up to a buddy's house before I was a Christian. We sat down to eat. I'm like, good, it's breakfast time. Suddenly his dad breaks out a devotional and starts reading from the Bible at breakfast. I'm like, I just wanted Cheerios, man. What's going on? And then he prayed for his kid before he went to school. I was like, what is going on? What is going on? My parents love me deeply, but they were like, here's your key. There's a door. Get to school. What is this investment going on of saying, I don't want you to be perfect. I want you to be with the perfect one. It's time to pray for the next eight weeks are the time when people are most open to hear a different story than Santa Claus and turkeys. And don't be super spiritual about it. Can you just be, I'm, I'm really grateful because I thought my marriage was going to fall apart three years ago and it's together today. I'm really grateful about that. Non-believers would be shocked. What, what are you talking about? I'm really grateful that God worked in my life that I don't, I, I don't have to worry about jingle bells being out of tune because my heart sings with a babe in a manger rather than a song of a season. These are huge steps for you to move your identity from finding joy in in temporary things to finding joy in the Lord. For you to submit yourself to say, not my will be done, but your will be done. And for you to become an active prayer for the normal things you just thought would come together. I'd encourage you to do that as you walk through the holiday season. Find joy in ordinary things and how God uses them rather than being entertained for a short term. Pray for peace in Jerusalem because when it fails, other things fail. Pray for the success of your marriage, your family, your friends, whatever your keystone things are. Don't just think about them. Pray about them. 
pray for our church. We need it. We are a bunch of messy people all together trying to praise Jesus. We need prayer. Pray for your pastor. Craig's not here today because he's married. <laughs> he went away for a week to celebrate his anniversary. Good on you. <laughs> the church and be married. Take a week away. Celebrate your anniversary. Our prayer for you is that all that would be under Jesus. That you'd find that. And that joy would come from that. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you use people just like us. We thank you for how you work in our lives. And we pray for all the ordinary people that even today are being crushed because of a battle in the Holy Land. We pray for mothers who have lost children, for children that have lost their parents. We pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And yet we know, Lord, that the Scripture declares you are the peace of all things. That's in you we have our living and breathing. And so help us, Lord, as we go through the next couple weeks, as we celebrate all these holidays that seem so important, help us to trust in your work. Restore our marriages. Allow us to be committed to prayer in our work. That we would look back and see your grace pouring over our past and extending into the future. You've declared that you will set up a new Jerusalem from which you will reign. Reign now in us. Help us to see and declare your goodness through Jesus Christ our Lord. Speak to us even as we worship you now that your name will be praised. Pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. For more information about First Baptist Church of Wildwood and our ministries, you can go to our website, fbcwildwood.org, our Facebook page, First Baptist Church of Wildwood, or our Instagram page, FB Wildwood. Have a great Jesus-filled day.